Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. A science story, huh? Is NYU scientist the... And I just thought, well... I had figured it, out. it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the 100th episode of The Story Collider. Yay! To celebrate, we're running a story from someone we've been meaning to have on the show for quite a while. She's famous for some research that, uh, well, she'll tell you about it. A warning to parents, it gets a touch graphic. Not much. But as they would say on This American Life, it acknowledges the existence of sex organs. The storyteller is Diane Kelly. The story was recorded in September 2012 at Union Hall in Brooklyn. The theme of the event was animals. So I have been desperately in love with animals my entire life. And I know this is true because I'm the oldest kid in my family, and like lots and lots of first-time mothers, um, mine was completely obsessive about chronicling every single thing that I did. So I can open up my baby book, which is, you know, yay thick, and um, on the page that is entitled favorite things to do at the very top is plays with animals and then there's this other page which is entitled accidents <laughs> and it's a list and it reads something like this bit by poodle bit by horse bit by chipmunk opened beehive <laughs> so you can Get from this that I was a little beyond your average four-year-old animal lover. I was more like a four-year-old animal stalker. Um, eventually, I did learn some self-control, um, but I never really lost that passion. Um, so years later, when it came to that great rite of passage of high school biology, the fetal pig dissection, um, I was actually kind of excited about it. Uh, most of my classmates hated the pig. They thought it was disgusting. They thought it was Stinky. They thought it was tedious. I thought it was awesome. Um, and one of the things I found from that exercise was I loved the insides of animals just as much as I loved their outsides. Um, because when you open up an animal, there is all kinds of awesome in there. Um, there's tissues with different textures that are all bound up into organs and different systems that have functions and behaviors, and I had to get me some more of that. So that was when I decided that I was going to grow up and be a biologist, and I was not just going to be a biologist, I was going to learn as much about anatomy as I possibly could. So fast forward about eight years. I'm in graduate school. I'm doing my doctorate in a field called comparative biomechanics. 
And comparative biomechanics is something like doing mechanical engineering in reverse. Um, we, take the, we take living things, which are the products of evolution, and we apply engineering principles to try to figure out how they work. Um, and I was working uh, for my dissertation project, I was working on this really unusual and curious mammalian tissue, which is normally very flexible and very stretchy. But when it becomes active, it goes through this really dramatic change in mechanical properties and becomes very, very stiff and very hard to bend. And most important for someone doing a dissertation, nobody had done this work before. That was probably because it was the erectile tissue that you find inside penises. <laughs> and 500 years of research in anatomy, and no one had wanted to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> I actually found this kind of shocking because, you know, understanding how erection works has some pretty um, understandable <laughs> applications. <laughs> to medicine, and I've been told that a lot of people find it kind of important, <laughs> but it had just been left wide open for me. Now, in order to really understand what the tissue is doing and to characterize all its behavior, I had to do two things. I had to um, understand and to study in great detail the microscopic anatomy of, the, of that tissue, both in flaccid and erect stages. Um, I also had to do mechanical tests. I had to stretch it and inflate it and figure out what... Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and try to figure out how, you know, how, how, far, how far does it stretch, how long is it... Um, how long, how long time-wise, is it, is it um, stretchy? When does it become stiff? How stiff does it become? Um, how, does it, how does that um, work with... How does the, the tissue properties then work into um, the structural properties of the entire organ. But in order to do that, it was pretty clear that I needed fresh tissue. And that meant that I was going to have to sacrifice, that is, kill some animals. And I hate killing things. It's not that I object to animal use. Um, I, I, you know, I eat meat. I use animals every day. Um, in various ways, shapes, and forms. But I was just scared. I was so scared of doing it that I would work myself into panic attacks. And they were pretty debilitating panic attacks. Um, let me give you an example. So one of the first things I taught in graduate school, I was a lab assistant, um, a, teach a teaching assistant in the university's physiology course. So I had a class of about 20 um, college sophomores and juniors, and we were teaching them physiology, and I was in charge of their lab laboratory experience. And one of the labs we had to do, um, this demonstration in which we showed them how to pith a frog. Now, pithing is this method of sacrifice in which you take an animal and you have a very long, thin probe, and you push the probe into the back of the skull, um, right where the spinal cord comes out, and you mush up their brain really fast. If done properly, death is almost instantaneous. So I'm standing up there in front of this class of, you know, fresh scrubbed um, college students, frog in one hand, probe in the other, and I'm supposed to show them how, how you do this. And I start sweating. I start shaking. Um, my 
mouth goes dry. I start feeling kind of dizzy and lightheaded. And you know how when you're really about to pass out, your uh, you start the dark the darkness starts creeping up on the around your eyes, around your field of view, and collapsing inward. Yeah, I had that too. Um, so I had to hand the frog off to one of my cla- one of my students, and then go sit down and put my head between my legs, which doesn't do much for you you as an authority figure. Now you want to know the worst part? It was a demonstration. That frog was dead. So this was obviously kind of a big problem for me. But I hit on a solution that I thought was perfect. So it was going to get me my tissue, but I wasn't going to have to kill anything, and I wasn't going to have to have panic attacks about it. And that solution was roadkill. Now, don't get me wrong, I was not going to go out and hit animals with my car. I was simply going to take advantage of the vast bounty that more careless drivers left for me. And as it turns out, penile tissues pretty stable um as long it, it's a uh, very tough stuff and if you get find an animal that has died recently and it's not too hot outside it stays good for my purposes um and once i was in this once i had figured out that roadkill was the answer it was it didn't take me that long to come up with my model species um and to to figure out that the nine-banded armadillo, Dazipus novum cinctus, was the perfect model species for my study. Now, there were a variety of good scientific reasons for this. Um, The two that are most important for this story is that um, they have, they're small animals, but have a very large penis for their body size. So I could deal, deal, pick up a tiny animal and still have a nice big chunk of tissue to do my experiments with. <laughs> and they die really frequently on the roads. You see, they have this defense mechanism in which um, when they're star- they don't see very well and they don't hear very well. Um, so when they're startled, they leap about three feet in the air straight up and then they fall down, they jump, they get, as soon as they land, they run away. The idea is that, you know, it startles the predators, gives them a chance to run. This apparently works very well against coyotes and bobcats. It doesn't work very well against trucks. Um, So armadillos are one of the most frequently road-killed animal in northern Florida, which was where I had to go do my research, because as it turns out, there are no armadillos in North Carolina, where I was living and going to school. So here's how it would work. I would um, go on field season by borrowing my advisor's truck, drive down to Florida, and spend about a month there. And every day I would um, get up at about 5.30 in the morning and drive this same 50-mile circuit um, on the back roads looking for whatever was fresh that morning. I'd usually find about two or three armadillos every morning. I'd pick up the males, stick them in a bucket of ice, take them back to the field station, um, and then do my dissections and my experiments. And you know what? It worked. I was getting tons of data. I was doing experiments. It was working great. I was so proud of myself. I felt so resourceful. I'm getting, doing really solid new research, and I'm not killing anything. Well, all good things have to come to an end. So at the end of field season, I do my last experiment. 
I pack up all my things in my truck because it's going to be a long drive the next morning. And I have time left over, so I decide, hey, I'll go to the movies. So I get my truck, and I drive on down into town. And heading down that same two-lane blacktop that I was had driven down eight hours previously, I spot a now very familiar shape on the side of the road. Now what I should have done was go to the goddamn movie. What I did do was pull over and have a look. And indeed, it wasn't armadillo, and it was male. And so now I have this dilemma, because I can't take it back to the research station because I've packed up all my stuff. I can't do any more experiments. But it's another sample. It it will increase my N. (laughs) (laughs) What do I do? And then I realize all my dissection equipment is in the truck. (laughs) So I grab the armadillo and I toss it in the back of the truck and I get back in the car and I drive a couple miles down the road to where I know, because I've been doing this drive every morning for a month, that there's a a little pull-off with a picnic table. And I pull off the road and I slap on a pair of latex gloves and I grab my dissection equipment and I put put down the flap of the bed of the truck and I put the armadillo down and I go to work. And the section's going really well, and I'm thinking, this will be great. I'll, have, I'll be able to go to the movie still, have plenty of time. And I notice this car drive up on the cor- out of the corner of my eye, and I look up, and it's a police car. <laughs> now let's stand back for a minute and think about what this scene looked like to that poor police officer. <laughs> because he drives up, he sees this car without, he's you know, doing his, his ordinary day thing. And he sees this truck without a state license plate pull up, pulled over on the side of the road. And maybe he thinks, you know, someone's broken down. I've got to go see if they need help. And what he finds is this disheveled looking young woman um, with torn jeans, ripped, t- you know, ripped t shirt, um, a pair of incredibly bloody latex gloves, a scalpel, a dead armadillo with its crotch open. <laughs> And a really wild look in her eye. <laughs> and the wild look in my eyes because I'm thinking, <laughs> Still, when he asks me what I'm doing, I do tell him the truth. Sort of. Um, he says, what are you doing? I say, I'm dissecting an armadillo, sir. <laughs> I don't tell him the whole truth because I figure there are some things he's better off not knowing. And he looks at me for a long time. It seems like hours because clearly I'm a lunatic. And he's just trying to figure out what kind of lunatic I am. And what he comes up with is the next question, which is, are you with the university? (laughs) To which I say, yes, sir, yes, I am. Because even though I'm not at FSU, the local university, I am from a university. And having placed me in the category of university lunatics, he decided that I was not a danger to myself or others and told me, 
to be sure to clean up when I was done. <laughs> and then he drove away. So I finished the dissection, <laughs> and I buried the armadillo in the ditch, and I put the penis in alcohol. I had an, 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 one more N, yay. And I packed everything back up, and then I went to the movie. <laughs> and on my way there, I was just so awash in relief because I wasn't calling the research station for bail just because I wanted to get one more sample. But I was also feeling kind of ashamed of myself because I had been afraid to be completely honest and to tell the police officer the entire truth of what I was doing, even though I thought it was really cool. Because um, I was trying to wiggle out of you know, responsi the responsibility that I had for my own actions. And I realized that that was actually how the entire research trip had come about, because I hadn't had the roadkill idea because I was being resourceful. I'd had it because I was being a coward. Um, because I was afraid of taking responsibility for some um, of the more unpleasant aspects of the profession I was training for. And I realized that if I was going to keep doing science, I had to be serious and I had to be responsible and I had to take responsibility for every aspect of my research, even the things that I didn't like doing. So when I got back to, when I got back home and got back to my own lab, um, I went and took the time to get trained in a whole variety of methods of sacrifice that um, were as humane as we, you know, humane and quick as we possibly could make it. Um, I got trained in statistical methods that would let me reduce the number of animals that I used for a study um, to the bare minimum. Um, and I formed collaborations that would let me, um, when I collected tissue, also collect tissue for other people's studies so that every single animal we sacrificed pr provided material for a number of studies so, ev so every animal could um, really produce lots and lots of science. Um, and in general, I tried to live by the three R's, the, what we call the guiding principles for using animals in research that were put together by Russell and Burke back in 1959. And these are replacement reduction, and refinement. I still hate killing things, but because I do anatomy, I can't replace the animals I use with something else. What I can do, and I try to do as much as possible, is reduce the number of animals I have to use and refine my methods so that when I sacrifice one, it is as painless and quick as possible. I but... Every once in a while, I still pick up a little bit of roadkill. <laughs> because, you know, there's nothing wrong with some recycling. <laughs> Thank you. That was Diane Kelly. Diane is a senior research fellow at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Her research interests include the evolution of copulatory systems and sexual differentiation in the nervous system. She is best known for her original work on the anatomy and function of vertebrate penises, but has also written children's books, created exhibits from science museums, and helped exhume a mastodon. 
For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where we have our magazine, archives of the podcast, and upcoming events. If you have a story you'd like to tell, we have submission information there as well. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, and Aaron Barker. The podcast is produced by Rose Evelith. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, Josh McCall, and Raffaella Benin. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Union Hall for hosting the show and to... You know what? I'm just going to skip this one. Thanks for listening. <laughs>